not, you guys, I'm not ready, but I'm so ready, and I'm not even ready, but I'm so excited, and I'm going to cry, but I'm also going to scream, enjoy, and I just don't know what it feels. I'm in a glass box of emotion. Welcome back to another episode of Movie Rampage. This is episode number eight, and uh, this is exciting for episode number eight. We have our very first double feature. Yeah, we do. I really expected like more on the point enthusiasm from you, Liz. I'm I'm so sorry. That was like really (laughs) disappointing. Like I almost want to restart this because that was so bad. Why? Um, to, you know, to Liz's defense, we didn't talk about it. I just kind of threw that. Away. <laughs> so I feel like we have to start again now. <laughs> no, no, this is raw, uncut. Nice. Okay. I mean, Pacific Rim, nothing better. <laughs> like there are a lot of better movies, but I really like it. That's right. Is that that's oh, right? Me too. <laughs> And that's pretty much our show. Thanks for joining us, Thanks folks. for joining uh, <laughs> Movie Rampage. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is, um, what is it? It's April 7th. Um, what happened to March? Yeah. Tell me, please. Yeah, so so we were, we're we have to kind of throw some apologies out there. Uh, <clears throat> if you remember, we were supposed to be doing two episodes in March. One of those episodes was supposed to be Pacific Rim. The other episode was supposed to be Pacific Pacific Rim Uprising, and that just never happened. Uh, between, if if you guys listen to other shows on, across Random Chatter Network, and you should be, do it, do it. Uh, you probably know that Liz had like major technical malfunctions, like there was a nuclear meltdown of her technology. Literally, my battery like imploded. <laughs> true. True. Fact. She was completely like non-podcast functional, and so we didn't get her on any shows for like several weeks. I was barely human um, functional. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Easter holiday and a bunch of just other things, it's been like a crazy month, like scheduling wise, for a lot of us. Tim's got the zombie and virus, so I, I do, yeah, and I have to apologize for that too because I'm still kind of getting over a cold. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to make sure I mute my mic or, or edit some things out in post-production if I cough or clear my throat or whatever, uh, but I'm probably not going to get all of it, so I, I do apologize for that, too. I don't apologize for mine. It wasn't my fault. That's right. Just uh, no apologies. Screw yeah, it. I don't apologize. It is what it is. This is, this is life, folks. We're back. This is the real thing. We're back, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, you've got Tim and you've got the the Jaeger to my kaiju. Oh, yeah. I made you shiny and, you know, all that, and I'm the ugly sea creature. Yeah, no, I'm... Thing. Yeah. You're definitely kaiju. I'm definitely Jaeger. <laughs> That's just accurate. Accurate reporting. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> So yes, so uh, you've you've you're stuck with the two of us as you usually are for for our episodes, 
And we are talking about Pacific Rim uh, from 2013 and the sequel, Pacific Rim Uprising, which just came out a few weeks ago. Uh, this will be, as usual, a spoiler-filled discussion of both movies. Chock-full of spoilers. Yeah. Um, definitely, I, I mean, you know, Pacific Rim is out there. You should, most folks have probably seen it. Um, if you haven't, I, I think you should. It's definitely worth seeing. Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, it is still out in the theaters, so go see it before it drops. It's probably going to drop out of theaters maybe in the next couple of weeks. So Yeah, there's a I couple other movies coming <laughs> soon that's going to kick it out. Yeah, they're, they're going to need some screens. In May especially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So first up in our double feature here, uh, Pacific Rim. Quick review as we usually uh, give here. So Pacific Rim uh, Rotten Tomatoes score has a 71% from critics and a 77% from uh, the audience score. Pretty close. That's that's usually good to see that the critic scores were pretty much in line with, with audience scores. Um, and, and the critics were a little harsher on it. And I, I understand why. I think we'll talk about some of that. And uh, the IMDb score, which is purely an audience score, is a 6.9 out of 10, so a 69%, uh, which is a little bit lower than what we had in Rotten Tomatoes. This was uh, written and directed by the brilliant and sometimes twisted mind of Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. <laughs> um, who, who does some fun things, and he does do some pretty interesting things, and this this movie was very different. It, it, while it was derivative, I think of a lot of different films that have been out there. It's not the end result itself is not completely derivative. At least that's my thought. I, I what do you think? I think it's an original take on a lot of different genres. So I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like that's maybe derivative, but I feel like when th something is derivative. That can have for me. That feels like oh, it's like a negative connotation sometimes. Whereas I don't feel mm -hmm. like this is the negative connotation version of that. Right. Like it's like a it's like a fanboy sat in a room, and I'm guessing I was it a, like a was it a comic book or anything before? Or this is just original Guillermo del Toro brain child. I don't. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know I a lot of... about the pack rim lore, so. I kind of want to say that there was like some type of uh, graphic novel or something that was done before this. Like I would. That's, oh, I would. That's a good question, Liz. You you keep talking. I'll research. That. Okay, look it up right now. Because um, when I so actually for all of you, I only saw Pacific Rim for the first time this year. I did not see it in theaters or obviously ever until the beginning of this year. Um, I don't know why it's definitely something that would intrigue me. I mean, like I was saying, I feel like uh, somebody sat in a room and was like, what if Transformers fought a, a Godzilla? And then this came out of, you know, this is what came out of that. Um, but in a beautiful way. So, yeah, like derivative of genres, but but more like representing many genres in a in a lovely way. That's how I feel about it. But again, I don't, I don't, I wasn't in on the ground floor or anything. I did see Pacific Rim opening weekend, or no, when did I go? Week after. Um, Pacific Rim Uprising. 
the week after opening weekend, but I never saw Pac Rome in theaters. I don't know why. Again, it's definitely something that would call to me. And I like I liked the concept. I just it it didn't happen. Yeah, I, I didn't see uh, the original in a theater either. I in fact I think I maybe only saw it maybe three years ago. Uh, was the first time that I saw it, and and I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a fun movie. The uh, so the, the answer to our question here is that uh, it, it is original. This this is uh, a, an original writing piece from Guillermo del Toro and and the team that that he had putting this together. Uh, what I am seeing is yes, it is derivative of a number of things, mostly Japanese franchises, things like Godzilla, things like uh, Ultraman, things like Gundam, uh, where you know obviously we're seeing giant robots and we have. Uh, in, in, in some cases, you know, giant lizard type things uh, like Godzilla and such. And this brought them, brought the two of them together. Yeah, you get that feeling from it, but it still has its own fresh take and its own lore within it with the kaiju and the um, Jaegers and all of that. And sort of like the lingo, the the structure of the military within that feels unique um, mm-hmm. and and necessary given the, the way the world is. Um so derivative is probably the correct word, although, again, I feel like derivative often has a negative connotation, whereas this is like the positive version of that. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, you know, let's be real. There is nothing new under the sun. Nothing is as new. They say. <laughs> so, you know, if you're going to create a story and you are going to draw on different inspirations, which is that that's what's going to happen, you, you are going to have different inspirations and they're not trying to hide from those inspirations, but I think this story itself is really well done. No, I think they totally lean into it, which is, I think, the best thing that they could do. Because if you were trying to be like, our robots are so different from your robots, then you'd be like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) they're still robots, shut up. You know, like, you have to lean into it and say, like, this is basically Transformers versus Godzilla, and that's okay. Yeah, in a lot of ways, exactly. That's that's what it is. And I, I love... In, in the first Pacific Rim movie, how they really took the first, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, and they gave us the whole history of what happened. Yeah. You know, when the kaiju first appeared and what humanity did to, to try to fight them, and then they united and they, you know, brought their technology and their resources together and they started building these giant robots, these Jaegers. And they came up with this uh, drift technology and all that kind of stuff. And really interesting concepts that served as the, the, the foundation for what's essentially now a franchise of sorts. I mean, they have two movies, so I guess we can call it a franchise. Um, and the, the, the end of the second movie was not hiding the fact that they want to make a third movie either. No, no. They set it up quite <laughs> blatantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they were they were very direct about it. So, uh, and it actually was kind of a, a cool thing, which we'll talk about later. But I like how they set up what the potential story could be for for a third film. So, but it did real well. They they had I think some good character development in this first one, and the the cast is is pretty terrific. You, you have uh, so Charlie Hunnam, who played Beckett, who's really the the lead character. Uh, in this, and, and Charlie Hunnam isn't, like, insanely well-known. He's in Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, Sons of Anarchy, King Arthur, Crimson Peak. 
Everybody wanted him to be Christian Gray, so I remember him from that. Okay. Like, okay. They, there was a huge campaign for him to play Christian Gray in Fifty Shades of Gray. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. He's, you know, kind of the, the you know, rugged style, handsome guy. So he got, I think he had a, like, a big surge in the media when that was going down. But unless you yeah. watch Sons of Anarchy, well, even the King Arthur movie didn't do that well. So he's not. No. Ma- he's not, like, as mainstream. Yeah. And definitely not Ben. Right, right. The uh, the big star in this uh, is Idris Elba. Boyfriend. <laughs> uh, who plays Stacker Pentecost, who's basically the, he's the, the, the military mind behind this whole effort. Uh, he's, he's, the, he's the military leadership for this. And he has his struggles and they, you know, talk about budget issues and resource shortages and having to consolidate a lot of their efforts and that kind of stuff early on where they say, well, gee, we haven't had a, 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 a kaiju in a while. So um, uh, there's a lot of people who say, well, hey, we're just going to build a wall. Interesting political statement. Whoops. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to build a wall. And, and if we build walls that are big enough and strong enough, then we don't need uh, to have these giant robots. And, and that's that. Life is good. Um, which, which obviously gets disproven. But Idris Elba, he, he has a, a pretty interesting story arc in this. A couple of unexpected things. I really like the... Um, the attachment that he has to uh, Mako Mori. Yeah, I like that too. She's one of the uh, three characters who bridges both films. Mm-hmm. And she's a great character. I like her arc in this. I like that they do the little flashback. They show her as a kid. They show uh, her relationship with, with Pentecost and you know how he basically took her in and raised her. And she's come to be pretty damn smart within the science and applying the science to the, the military stuff in terms of fighting the kaiju. Agreed. I do, I liked their relationship a lot because I feel like it wasn't um, like it was a little different than if we're talking about being derivative and talking about playing off of things that are out there. I feel like their relationship is so fresh and different in the like military sense of things in the her being this beautiful scientific like I don't know, I just love that part of it. That feels yeah. very Guillermo to me. And of course you have like the unexpected badassery that she has when she actually fights Beckett. Yeah. Uh when 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 they spar and like she's she's solid. You know, she she can't be, you know, they're 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 very evenly matched which is uh, what they use kind of as their initial measure measure to see if the, the two people are drift compatible. And now it takes two pilots to operate a Jaeger. Yes. What was the explanation for that in the film? <laughs> I don't remember. You don't remember? No. <laughs> um, I just, it's ba- because, it's like what they have to do. <laughs> I don't know. That's like in my brain, it's just you have to do it. Well, and, and it, it's funny you mention it because it has to do with your brain. They, they, the way they describe it is that it has to do with the, uh, the neural load that your, your brain and your nervous system is able to take on in operating this massive beast in, in kind of the 
marriage between the robot and your physical and mental self. Um, and apparently only a couple of people have ever been able to operate a Jaeger uh, on their own. For, and that was for a limited amount of time. And one of those was Pentecost right. and the other was Beckett. It's coming back to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know I'm not good at remembering those like technical details, Tim. That is not my <laughs> gift. It's not my strength. <laughs> so we also have Ron Perlman. He's probably the other uh, noted name in this. And Ron Perlman, who always plays kind of strange, offbeat characters anyway. And I, I, I like Ron Perlman's stuff. I, I think he's really good. I, I always enjoy his characters. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Uh, so he plays uh, Hannibal Chow, which is he, he's kind of like this black market dealer in kaiju parts. So if you wanted to get a, you know, kaiju toenail to hang <laughs> on your wall or something. Ew. He's, he's the guy to go to. You have one on your wall, Liz. Why would I want a kaiju toenail on my wall? I, I, but you do. Wait, the real question is, Tim, would you and I be drift compatible? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know you can't spar against me, so that question is answered. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's awesome. <laughs> Ron Perlman, yeah. Kaiju toenails. The other two notable characters in here, um, I mean, both because of their role in this film, but also because they do carry over into Pacific Rim Uprising, uh, are Charlie Day and uh, Bern Gorman. Charlie Day is Dr. Newton Geisler, and Bern Gorman is Herman Gottlieb. And they kind of play this very interesting odd couple yeah. uh, type of relationship in in the film. And they're they're both very much in the background, but the things that they do impact the storyline, I guess. I know Herman. Um, Herman was on uh, Torchwood, the Doctor Who spinoff show. Okay. I know him more than I know Charlie Day, actually, because I've seen Charlie Day in a couple movies. I know he's in It's Always Sunny, but I've never watched it. Um, so I'm more familiar with Herman Gottlieb from Torchwood, who's great in that. He was, yeah. Uh, he was also, uh, that actor was also in um, the AMC TV series Turn. I never saw that one. Uh, that ran for, I think, three seasons. Intentionally, I, three seasons was, was pretty much the run out of it. And it was a Revolutionary War uh, spy ring type of series. Uh, it was a summer series that they ran. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good. He, he played a, a British officer. Yeah, they play off each other very well in that couple kind of way. Charlie Day really plays that quirky. He's very good at playing that sort of like quirky, frazzled human being. Like he's always like, bah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Herman's like yeah. the quieter, um, but also still kind of off, you know, a little bit off, which is why it makes them such a good pair. Mm -hmm. They're both off in different ways. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me about your impressions on Pacific Rim overall. Okay, well, I had heard a lot about it, obviously, because it's been out for so long, and I just have never seen it. And I guess I thought 
something else when I went into it. I wasn't disappointed by any means. I really liked it. But I think I had built it up to being this like huge movie that like was next level epic. And it felt smaller than that to me when I first watched it. And I was like, oh, this is much more, I don't know. This is different than what I thought. <laughs> um, I really, really enjoyed it. But it did feel like going into it, I had all these expectations. And then I was like, oh. All right, it's this, which is it's it's fine. It's just I build things up in my head, so I was like, sure, just expecting like not maybe not Star Wars level, but like giant blockbuster, huge, you know. And it yeah. was it's it's not quite that. It's different because um, because Guillermo has like that. I don't know this more streamlined way and not as broad. It's just I don't know if that's making any sense, but that's like. My impression of it was so different than what I what I walked out from watching. I was like, "Oh, this is different," mm-hmm. but I really, really enjoyed it. And I and I knew Pack Room Two was coming up, and so I watched it. I forget I forget it was either at the end of last year, so around December, or if it was at the beginning of this year. I can't remember, but um, I got really hyped for the second one because I was like, "Ah, I really, I really enjoyed it." But it was different than I expected. Yeah. Um, I don't know why or I can't really explain like what other than that. But yeah, I mean, I I like robots and I like monsters. So hi, it's <laughs> got all those things. And I like Idris Elba. So <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because it, I mean, neither one of them are epic films. Uh, but they are, I think, good solid action. They're fun movies. They are not very plot heavy at all. I mean, don't expect deep movies when you go to watch these. Yeah, I think maybe I did. Well, I expected it to be more on that epic scale. And it right. it's it's just not that. That's okay. Yeah. That's just it's not that. And you know, I got to wonder if it's just kind of the well, when you see things that are big. So when you think about something like a Godzilla or Transformers, because, you know, again, large critters, large robots. Right. Um, Jurassic Park. Right. So these big characters, if you will, make us think big movie. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And yeah, so it might be like this psychological thing that we, oh, wow. So, so there's big things in it. Therefore, the movie itself is big. And they, they these weren't. Big movies. I mean, they they were they were good. They were fun, um, but yeah, they weren't deep. They weren't real epic. But I I think I probably had. I honestly don't remember what my impression was of um, of Pacific Rim or, or my expectations rather before I had first seen it. But probably I would think actually very similar to what you felt, that I thought it was a very big movie that for some reason I hadn't gotten to see in the theater. Yeah. And, um, but it was, it was still, it was a fun ride. I, I like the lore behind it. I, I, and I think that's the thing. I think that it has a good fundamental lore to it. So it doesn't have to be plot heavy. It doesn't have to give me a whole lot of story. But that said, it can get a little old when you just have too much time of giant robots fighting giant critters. 
How dare you take it back? <laughs> I, I mean, that's I'm that's that is fun, and it's great that we can like you know grab a cargo ship and use it as a baseball bat or throw cars at each other and that kind of stuff. But after a while, it's like, okay, so they're they're still fighting. Um, <laughs> I think it's not to say that it was boring. No, it's not boring. But it is just kind of like you get it has to be broken up. It has to be broken up to be done well. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, that I get that. But I also, I think we live in a time when everything takes itself too seriously, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I like that it didn't, <laughs> that it wasn't like, oh, the end of, I don't, it just didn't have that like end of the world feel. Like, yeah. you're right. Like, it is the way that they make a Transformer movie. Transformers takes themselves way too seriously. They're, they mm-hmm. think they're a Star Wars franchise. They're like, this is all, <laughs> this is the do or die of movies. And yeah. so Pacific Rim is like, ah, we're robots versus monsters. And that's what we are. And and there's still a little bit of layering in there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it just doesn't hit you over the head. So it doesn't end up feeling like. Like, it takes itself too seriously, which I kind of appreciate about it. But you're right. I mean, you have to have something else going on. But I think it has enough. I like the play up between the drifting, you know, where the drift compatibility comes into play, adds this beautiful layer of, like, yeah, monsters versus monsters, but humanity. Humanity and and our compatibility with each other, how we interact, the concept of family, how even though we're not blood-related, we have to still find that connection and that connectivity to fight something Mm -hmm. greater than ourselves. So I think that there is... There is layering within it, even though it's like giant monster versus giant monster, you know? Yeah. No, well, and you bring up a few good points there. I, I think I, I love that connection to humanity that you mentioned. I think that's an important point. And that kept this from just simply being Jaegers versus Kaiju and and that was it. I mean, there this obviously it is it it is a fight for humanity. And it's humans that created the Jaegers and are operating the Jaegers, and so they needed to make that connection there. And they also needed to kind of cover that story or that lore of it so it's not just like this easy-to-do thing that we can just pull any two people off the street and we're going to stick them into the giant robot and they're going to go save the day. Right. It really, that's, that's it really takes, it works. It takes more than that, which I appreciate yeah. about the franchise. Yeah. Because they could have because- easily written it to be that way. Oh, yeah, they absolutely could have. Yeah. But I like that. So each individual pilot has to have the mental fortitude to handle this. They also need to be very physically fit mm-hmm. because it's not like they're playing a video game inside the head of the robot. I mean, if the robot's running, they're running. Yeah. Well, and they're the taking ro- hits, too. They feel it. Yeah, exactly. And they're taking hits. They They have to know how to fight. So these people have to be trained in whatever kind of martial arts or, or or other type of combat technique because they are actually fighting. Yeah. And so, but then it's not just one of them. It has to be, in most cases, two of them. And we saw in both the first movie and the second movie that, in fact, there are there were Jaegers built so big that took three pilots to operate. Yeah. Which I thought was neat. And, and so, like, they... 
always kind of made these little exceptions, and I like the fact that they showed this progression of, well, hey, this is the current generation Jaeger that's out there. Um, you know, here's the one that we built before it, which doesn't quite have its capability, but it's still good because of ABCXYZ. But then we have this one that's a couple generations old, and it's definitely not as capable, but it's just a freaking tank. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so, like, I, I like that they did that. And, again, they, they did that same thing in both movies. So even though they were introducing new technologies and that kind of stuff, they're able to really break it up. And they kind of did the same thing with the kaiju, too, where they created different kaiju that did different things. Um, they had kaijus of different sizes. So they had, like, you know, class one through, I think, class five were the largest that we've seen. Oh yeah, that kaiju and Pac Rim Uprising. <laughs> the, the 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 Megla kaiju. Yeah, the like the, the it made three me kaiju think, in one. Like Power Rangers when mm-hmm. <laughs> the Zord when the Megazord and when all yeah. of the Zords come together and when all the kaiju come together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was like, it's Power Rangers. <laughs> oh yeah. And and it like it there's definitely Power Rangers inspiration from this. Totally. Uh, I mean, we so we've mentioned a couple of times the whole Transformers thing. It's the best Transformer movie out there. Well, that's the even though these things don't transform, <laughs> doesn't matter. It's the best Transformers movie out there. <laughs> they, I seriously, seriously hope that the folks who are, I mean, I think it's out there and known that the the Michael Bay saga of Transformers is ending. Uh, I hope they never it, make another Transformer movie. By the way, and it's well, it's going to be rebooted. <laughs> ah! So they're they're going to reboot the franchise. Why? I hope that the folks who are involved in the reboot have paid attention to these Pacific Rim movies. They didn't. They're going to do their own thing. <laughs> because these movies show that you can have a lot of action with giant robots fighting each other or fighting something else without just creating this giant furball mashup of shiny reflective things that no one can comprehend what the fuck oh. <laughs> that no one can comprehend what the hell it is and expect it to turn out now i will say in the first pacific rim movie they did have there there was the fight where it was like out in the ocean and it was nighttime and there was a storm and it was raining <laughs> And that gets a little crazy because it's dark and you get the flashes of light. And that just, for me, that doesn't work. I can't, my brain can't process what the hell's going on on the screen. Yeah, old man. Uh, Yeah, I know. (laughs) In in Pacific Rim Uprising, they corrected that. They did better lighting. There was, I think, better direction in it. And that seemed to be a heck of a lot better. Yeah, because they did some with the ocean, too. Well, and they also had, like, the whole snowscape part, mm-hmm. uh, which gives a lot of brightness and yeah, uh, and cleanness to the fighting. Uh, yep. And in the sky and the fall, you know, all of that part at the end of Pac-Rim 2. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's such an interesting world that they've created. Um, it, again, talking about it's derivative but unique. It's, it's both. It's all of the above. Um, yeah. It feels like... They've really set the the world building they've done within the Pac Rim world is very, uh, it's very clear. 
Um, mm-hmm. And feels different than, there's a lot of like, post-apocalyptic, the world went to hell, and this is what, la, 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 la. And yeah. like, duh, we've seen that. But this is its own thing. And the the thing I really like about it is that humanity banded together to do, to fight the fight. You know what I mean? We're not, everybody didn't create districts and fight against, you know, par, par, power off and sort of like create their little kingdoms and go underground or whatever. We all stepped up and we had to, Fight as a, I think this obviously it's our future. <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying we like we humanity of the Pacrim <laughs> world. Um, we like it, everyone banded together and really like took the fight on. Do you see that from the diversity in the cast, the diversity of cultures mm-hmm. represented, um, which I really like too and appreciate. Yeah, and the movie. I mean, you say we. I, the movie does draw you in, and I think that. That's a great part of it because you do get involved. They have enough character development that you you do get to care about at least the main characters. Well, and, and it's still grand, gra- grounded in our world enough for it to feel yes. like our future, not like, oh, this other, like, Earth 2 or anything like that. It feels like our world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And while you still don't know exactly, I mean, it's large monsters that are rampaging across the earth. I I mean, while they're not abundantly clear about what the, the ramifications are, you still feel that you still have an understanding of what's going on. Yeah. And you know what the stakes are, you know what the consequences are. And, uh, and, and I think they, they do real well with that. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun movie. I, I liked it a lot. It, like, it, I mean, I think you and I are pretty much in agreement. It's not epic. It's a lot of fun. The action was good. I love the effects. I thought the effects were fantastic in it. Yeah, they're very good. Good, yeah. I mean, good cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good lore, good world. But it, it makes sense that they would build a franchise off of it. Yeah. Yeah. So for the first time ever, I'm going to ask you to rate a movie in the middle of our show. Oh, <laughs> my favorite part. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like a, five, a six and a half. Oh, okay. Like that's, that's a little okay. lower than I expect you to Be- go. Well, but. because I told you, like, it can't compare to like a Marvel movie or like a Star Wars. Sure. So I don't like. I don't know a seven. <laughs> I give okay. it a. I give it a B. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually kind of sitting around to be myself with it. It's it's. I don't know why letters make more sense than numbers for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fine. I I'm totally good with that. And yeah, I I think a B is good for this. It's it's just it's a fun movie. It's one of those movies you can't go in with big expectations. Just sit back and have fun and suspend disbelief on a couple of things and just kind of let the movie do its thing. Don't, I think don't don't fight it. Don't I, don't struggle against it. I think my prior expectations hurt my first viewing a little bit, just because I did think it was that epic scale level thing, and I was like, oh, it didn't mean I didn't like the movie. But when you go in with expectations, that's really hard to scale that back. So sure. I think if I watched it again after seeing Pac Rim Two, that maybe it would help because it 
you know what I mean? Like I've already seen it and I've seen the sequel and maybe going back and reliving the lore of two would help me, yeah. you know, help me give it a high, like, it's a, it's a good movie. It's just, I think I thought so much more of it be, just because of, I remember the hype when it was coming out, people were like freaking out about it. <laughs> uh, like, I just remember all that and I was like, oh, this movie. <laughs> so then, then when it wasn't that, I, I think that just hurt my my view of it. Again, not to say that I thought it was bad. Just I thought it was this other thing, and it wasn't. So I'm going to say seven, but it's probably a little higher as far as being a really good, like a good and enjoyable movie. Yeah. But my, you know, my scale is contingent on all other movies. So it's not just like, oh, this one to ten that has nothing to do with anything else. Like ten is Star Wars. Like, what do you want from me? I don't know what to say. Like ten is Captain America: Civil War. We have the ten, same discussion every time. You ten know. is about to be Avengers: Infinity War. Every I already know. Time. So I can't make it be any higher than a seven or six and a half because it's not Star Wars. <laughs> I know. I don't care if we have it every time. I still have to have it because I need to know that you understand why it's so hard. I, I don't really. <laughs> Shut up. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> what, are, what rating do you give it? You said a B. Like yeah, a seven? Said, yeah. Same? Yeah, a, a, like a, a seven? A, yeah. Yeah. A B is where I would go with it. Like seven, seven and a half-ish. Um, yeah. I'd give it a full um, vanilla ice cream cone from McDonald's but not covered in chocolate. Who the hell buys ice cream from McDonald's? Um, they have delicious vanilla ice cream. Shut up. <laughs> uh, What's wrong with you? You're fired. I'm not, I'm not even having this conversation with you right now. Yeah, because you don't even know what that scale even We're means. No, it's a good rating. I'm not going to talk about ice cream with you right now. Right, because you it's don't have any happen. standards. <laughs> Listen, I have a lot of standards when it comes to ice cream. I, Clearly, vanilla cone is not listen, even on the... <laughs> you're baiting me, and I'm not going to go for it. We're going to talk about Pacific Rim Uprising now. <laughs> After these commercials from McDonald's. <laughs> Bullshit. All right, so Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, this is the part two of our double feature. Da, 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 da. Uh, ratings. Ratings. The ratings heard on this one. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The critics gave it a 46%. Ooh. I think they were pretty rough on it. Uh, the audience was was better. They gave it a 56%. Ooh, still. And uh, IMDb gave it a 6 out of 10, so a, a 60%, which was actually the highest. Um, this was not a Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro film. Uh, yeah. This one was directed by Stephen McKnight, or I'm sorry, Stephen DeKnight. Uh, written by uh, both Denight and Emily Carmichael. Uh, so we did mention there were some characters that, that held over. So Mako Mori, uh, played by Rinko Kikuchi, she held over from the first film. I love that she came back. That makes me very happy. I did too. I, I liked her character. I think her character was certainly much stronger in the first film. But she gave... Well, they're signing off. And, yeah. Yeah. She gave a, a foundation of continuity amongst the characters between the two films. Yeah. Um, she passed the baton. Yeah. I get it. Even though we did have both Charlie Day and Byrne Gornham uh, reprising their roles, respectively, as Dr. Newton Geisler and Herman Gottlieb. Uh, and, and they actually had 
very different roles in this film. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to to some extent, uh, particularly with Charlie Day, Doctor Geisler, really being a catalyst of of bad shit happening. That was very unexpected to me. Yeah, same here. Because you definitely thought it was the other chick, the the head of the other whatever the organization was, that was yeah. making all the uh, kaiju tech Jaegers, right? Um, yes, yeah. And you thought that it was definitely her being sneaky. And I love that it wasn't her. She was awesome. More she of her, really please. Yeah, so this was uh, Li Wen Xiao, who was played by Tian Jing. Love her. Uh, who uh, she's gorgeous, great actress, and that that spin on the story, just what you said, I loved it because like she was set up from the get go to be the villain, and I you just didn't expect it when you found out she had nothing whatsoever to do with this. Yeah, she's a, a corporate person who was trying to make money off of a government defense contract, essentially. But she wasn't doing all this evil shit that was going on. Right. and all, But also trying to streamline the process, which, I mean, yes. corp- when we think of the corporate, the man, the corporate, you know, conglomerate, big sort of umbrella. And that's, mm-hmm. that is often evil in the movies just because that's often evil in real life. It's easy to become... <laughs> It's easy to become that sort of dark side of business, right? Like once you have all the power, uh, absolute mm-hmm. power corrupts absolutely, right? So she's got, right. she's at the helm. She has all of this power. And so, and she plays sort of like the colder, you know, they play her off as this colder businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Her relation, you know, you see her conflict with Charlie Day there and you're thinking, well, we know Charlie and we're on his side. So the fact that they spin that on its head and make him the villain, I loved. I was like, yes, because I love her. I want her more of her, please. Oh, yeah. I was so into that. <clears throat> she was great. And um, yeah, I, I hope to see her in the third movie, if there is going to be a third movie, because I think there's a lot of potential yeah. for her and her company and her projects. To really kind of continue on with things. Well, and when she was like at the very, just to skip ahead, when she's at the end yeah. in the in the little what was it scrapper the little um the little one the little Jaeger. I yeah. loved that she was like whatever I got this, and she had the skills to run the Jaeger just as much as anyone else who's been trained um, yep. because she'd work so closely with all the other Jaegers. You'd have to to have the tech, you know, to have the technology and the wherewithal to create such a big project around Jaegers and fighting the kaiju and everything. So I appreciated that she could put her money where her mouth was and actually have the skills to run Scrapper and come in and help save the day. I loved that part. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I I, I like that too. It was, um, when it got to that point, it wasn't completely unexpected. No, I knew she, we all knew she was coming back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because once that twist occurred and you got to see that she kind of became a humbled person and she rolled up her sleeves and she helped repair the 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 damaged Jaegers and all that stuff, it was like, okay, she's now in it. She's in it to win it yeah. with everybody else. She's part of the team. So it was not outlandish to expect more from her. Well, and once Scrapper wasn't in play yet, you knew that Scrapper had to come back because they had played up. A- that the scrapper Jaeger so much. I was like, where's scrapper? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
and, and so, you know, Scrapper was like again making this this Transformers analogy. Scrapper was like the bumblebee of yeah, um, of 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 this film where yeah. you know it's the small kind of lovable one that even though it's a it's a robot which was controlled by a human, the robot itself kind of seemed to have a bit of a personality. Yeah, it did. I like that. And um, uh, the the person who built Scrapper, uh, Amara Namini, who is played by Kaylee Spaney, uh, who did really awesome. I mean, great young actress. I, I think she knocked it out of the park. I think she did really, really well with it. Yeah, I felt like they let her character, s- uh, like, off the hook a little more than they should have. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. her to play more of a central role rather than... She sort of got roped into the, like, pulled into the system of, you know, the military system of training to be drift compatible and all of that. And, like, she was still in the game and obviously pivotal to the end, but I don't know. They sort of, like, really set her up in the beginning, and then it felt like they were, like, and she's doing her thing. It's more. It was more about John Boyega, which I'm totally fine with. Love me some John Boyega, <laughs> and I thought he was excellent. Love having his actual accent in the movie. Um, more of yeah, that. Yeah, he was everywhere. great. It was. It was nice to have him not use his American accent. He he, you know, uses his actual voice in this. Uh, boyfriend playing Jake Pentecost, who who is the uh, son of of Idris Elba's character Stacker. From the first film, and and I think they they kind of wrote a nice story there that, you know, this was the son who gave it a shot, but really kind of couldn't exist in his father's shadow, and at one point just said, "Eh, screw it, I'm out," and just did his own thing, and and I I was okay with that story. Um, that that that's a fine retcon for for me. Yeah. You know, to to explain why he wasn't in the first movie. I, w- I was completely okay with that. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, John Boyega's foil um, in, in this movie was Nate Lambert, played by Scott Eastwood. Hello, nurse. Which was just, uh, to me, the most forgettable flat character. Yeah, he totally was. In the entire <laughs> movie. I mean, he he wasn't the character he was supposed to be. It's like, okay... Jake Pentecost shows up at, at the Jaeger base. Lambert's there. Obviously, the two of them have a history. Lambert doesn't like him. Pentecost really couldn't care less. Yeah. So, like, there was essentially <laughs> then no conflict aside from the one uh, woman who is there who, like, they both had an interest in. And it gave a couple of laughs, but they didn't put enough effort into that whole situation. Okay, but so, I'm going to say I'm glad they didn't touch that stupid love triangle with a 10-foot pole cuz I yeah. hated what they did put in there about it. That uh, that was the part I was like, are you joking? You put a sexy lampshade in this movie in the form uh-huh. of her and it's so frustrating that she didn't get any of her own agency apart from the oh the girl that they both longingly looked at. Are you yep. joking? I was mad yeah. about that part, and I like this movie, but that part pissed me off. Well, yeah, and the only purpose for her was for the two of them to ogle over and have this little competition, which they didn't develop. And, and I and I agree with you. I'm glad that they didn't develop it anymore. 
but something more still needed to be to be developed between Lambert and Pentecost, and it just wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that was John Boyega's fault. I think his character was very, very good in this. They just didn't develop Lambert as enough of a foil. But that what? said, there were also a lot of things going on. You had the Dr. Geisler story. You had the the Shao story. You had uh, the relationship, the kind of brother-sister relationship between Pentecost and Mori. Which I really like that, too. Yeah, and then you had Amara coming in as kind of like this, you know, the next generation of Jaeger pilot and her learning. So you had a lot of very different stories yeah, it was a lot. At some point, he had to come together. So uh, Lambert just, I, I mean, Scott Eastwood, I, I don't think is that great of an actor anyway. And, and yes, he, he is the son of, of, of Clint Eastwood. Um, I, you know what I'm going to say? I think that, and it's not just because he's good looking, because he is. <laughs> but I think he's he's been given a sexy lampshade role most of the time. He's like a good-looking Clint Eastwood son. So they put him in these movies where he's like the Nicholas Sparks handsome guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe he is better than what they're giving him. I mean, I don't know. He wasn't it wasn't great. So like and he's not he wasn't even good in the Nicholas Sparks movie I watched of him. So like <laughs> But I'm wondering if there's I mean, I want to give him a bone here cuz I love Clint Eastwood and I want his son to like be good <laughs> like I don't know if he is but um he played that like you know the military dude that's like the dude I was like well all right maybe that's meh yeah well, he was he was completely useless it would have been better if John Boyega and Amara would have been drift compatible and played that up and gotten rid of his character what altogether. Well, and the thing is that they showed that they were drift compatible they, yeah they did but like they had to go through this other thing with Lambert first yeah and, like, and, what for? I mean, what was Lambert the sexy lampshade too? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I really think he was. He he just, he didn't do much of anything. He was kind of like a, a very small speed bump. Two sexy lampshades on, on, in one on movie. You would think this was a Michael Bay movie from that. <laughs> <laughs> He's all about the sexy lampshade. Well, and of course, and the funny thing is, is that like in the movie itself, uh, John Boyega actually does call him sexy. Yeah, well, I mean, he is, but like you know, he, it, but he was basically making fun of him. That yeah, you know, yeah, sure, okay, this guy's fine, but he's just you know, he's all dressing. There's no substance. So uh, that's what he was. To he really was that. I was sad because I was like, I, I I wanted there to be more of him. I wanted I wanted that relationship to play out stronger, and for for Scott Eastwood to get that sort of like. Because how many actors have played that, like, sort of military gruff, uh, hello, Clint Eastwood, role, um, and played it really well and had it have layer and have, but then he's just, like, the other guy in the love triangle with the other girl that says four words, you know, like, meh. Yeah. That part is, like, I like this movie, and you're making it hard right now. (laughs) You should should stop this. (laughs) Well. Speaking of inappropriate relationships, so Dr. Geisler was, uh, having, <laughs> was having brain sex I with, mean, with a kaiju brain. That, I was like, well, that's unexpected. That was totally unexpected. He comes home from work. Hey, honey, I'm home. He tells her about his day. 
He walks into the bedroom. You're thinking, oh, there's some sort of setup here. Like she's in the bedroom waiting for him. And then, boom, there's this giant bubbling test tube with a kaiju brain that's all plugged in. And he puts on the old headset and passes out having brain sex with her. That was really creepy, but made sense for why he went off the rails, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was... I, I thought there was a great spin on the story. It actually was very creepy because, like, once they once the camera panned in the bedroom, yeah, <laughs> you're like, your own brain just kind of says, "Holy shit, what am I watching?" This just <laughs> went really, really weird. Well, and I like how they set it up where it seemed like Herman was the one that was off because he didn't want to meet yeah. Abby. Abby, what was her name? Abby or Allie or whatever the brain's name was. He said, Abby "Didn't he normal? say?" I don't know what was what was her name. He said like Herman, you got to come over and meet Abby sometime. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, like uh, like Charlie Day has moved on and had his has his life, and Herman's still like, you know, he, Herman's the one that's off, and yet Charlie Day is like the one having <laughs> well, sex with a kaiju brain. Like that was a great setup because I was like, oh Herman, get get it together. And the thing is, because, I mean, Herman's the quirky guy, you know, he had his his kind of ha- just like got really weird from his experiences in, in the first one. But Dr. Geisler was the one who actually did drift Yikes. with the kaiju in the first, with the kaiju brain in the first one. Right. So he got really kind of funky from that. And then he comes back in this one and he's wearing a suit and he's got his tie and he's working for this big, you know, for this corporate big wig. And you're thinking, oh, okay, so he's got his stuff together. But now he's with the bad guy. And, you know, we talked about the whole Shao thing and and how they really gave the illusion that she was the bad guy. So they positioned him really well in this movie. And and that was a very interesting character arc also. Yeah. Yeah, because it really did seem like Herman never made it past everything. He's he's made his work his life because he never got past the events of Pack One, mm-hmm. and and Charlie's managed to move on and move up in the world and you know get some power and do all yeah. the stuff. And we're like, oh poor Herman. Meanwhile, <laughs> nope, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that he's perfectly positioned to surprise you. You know, yeah. to be the sort of like. I don't know, the surprise villain. I liked I, that. I, I did like, and, and you, you mentioned it briefly a little while ago, I liked what they did with the Jaegers in here that had, like, kaiju brains in them. Yeah, that was cool. And, yeah, that was really neat. That was another unexpected thing. Like, you were trying to figure out, okay, are these being, you know, who are the pilots? Is this, like, a rogue thing? Because they they had set the whole rogue Jaeger thing up early in the movie, which is how we met um, Amara and Scrapper and, you know, that whole discussion on like this black market also for Jaeger parts mm-hmm. and people building their own Jaegers and stuff. So now you're thinking, oh, okay, so like now there's like this hardcore military grade Jaeger, this first kind of rogue Jaeger that we saw in Sydney uh, in the beginning of the movie that had uh, killed uh, Mako Morin. And so we don't know who this is or where they're from. And, yeah, it gets revealed that it actually has a kaiju brain in it. 
Well, and it and sort of made obviously me obviously being controlled by somebody. Yeah, and the and the whole like kaiju brain drone concept made me think of um uh it reminded me of Iron Man 2 when Hammer creates all of his drones and they're mm. and then they like take over and it uh yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. Like it's the same concept of like the drones and then them taking over. Totally agree. So what um anything in this what did you what did you like what did you not like that we maybe haven't discussed? Um I thought that final battle was really great when mm-hmm. everybody's like, "Oh, I also really like the names of all the Jaegers. I can't remember yes. them all, but I really like the what is it like Misty Sun Knight or I don't know what they are. Shiny what are they? <laughs> I, don't I don't remember. Clearly, they really stuck. But I, re- I remember in the movie, I was like, I really like all these names. Um, I feel like I want to name, I want to get a pet and name one of them, except the Misty Sunshine or whatever the <laughs> heck they are. That's not at all it, but that's what stuck in my head. Um, yeah, I really like the names of all of them. I liked when it was very Power Rangers Zord esque to me when they were mm-hmm. all like. Mm. You know, me and my Zord. Ah, yeah, me and my Zord. And then <laughs> then the, they had the mega kaiju after Charlie knit them all together with tiny kaiju. I don't know what. The little kaiju rats that like came out. Yeah. What was, oh, yeah, yeah. That part was so weird. Because they thought that the kaiju rats were going to attack them. And instead they went and like knit the kaiju together into a mega kaiju. That was unexpected. I like when that things are unexpected. unexpected. Yeah. So that whole ending was really like action packed and very even even I felt like Scott Eastwood's character got a moment there when he like was drifted and then he got I don't know. I liked his arc there mainly because he got injured. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like it worked in the end because he was working with John Boyega, you know, like they were working together at that point. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. The whole ending of it was very strong to me. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely did. Um, yeah, I, I like that they had. So in the first movie, the the main Jaeger was uh, Gypsy Danger, and then in this one was Gypsy Avenger. Oh, yeah, Gypsy Avenger. That's the so, same as Misty Sunshine. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So it had <laughs> kind of you know the same look and feel to it, but they clearly evolved it. Gypsy they evolved Avenger. some of the weapons in this. Um, I love the one. Uh, let's see. I'm looking through the list here. Titan Redeemer. Yeah, Titan Redeemer. Which was the big badass one that had the three pilots. Yes. And then for the last fight, the 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 third pilot went down like into the chest of it and manned a gun. Yes. I thought that was really cool. That part was so cool. They they did a lot of imaginative things with these. And and again, I mean they kind of all seem to have their own personalities. Yeah, which they did. Were partly a reflection of the pilots, but still a little bit different. The Eagers still had their own their own personalities in the end, which I, I just thought was neat. I wrote Gypsy Avenger down right now because I'm definitely naming a pet that one day because that is just awesome. <laughs> Gypsy Avenger, where are you? That's right. <laughs> I like that a lot. So th- that was, uh, yeah, I, I definitely like that part of it. The, the effects were very consistent. I, I love the effects in the first movie. I, I really love the effects in this movie. I thought that part of it was, was great. Um, and in fact, you know, there were some improvements made, I think. Oh, definitely. And, you know, it didn't have the, the ridiculous kind of Transformers crap 
that we that we really need to avoid. Yeah. Um, well, I also like that you had the different kind of kaiju that they were fighting mm-hmm. at the end and how they all knit together in the mega kaiju, but they were the different like different species or whatever types or models, whatever they're called. Um, yeah, I liked I liked that. It, it was kind of ridiculous to me, but I was, it is ridiculous. Know, I, I accepted it. Yeah, it is ridiculous, but that's. I mean, at that point, I wouldn't want to see them fighting three of the same kaiju. It's more interesting to have them have different yeah. forms. So yeah. I, it's it is completely ridiculous. Oh yeah, I mean the 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 thing is they have to mix it up. You have to do something different because otherwise it's just constantly a, a giant robot fighting Godzilla over and over and over and over again. So right, you have to have something. Something different and creative, and I agree with you. I like the unexpected stuff. Um, and as far as potentially silly it is, I mean, it, it, it is sci-fi. So just kind of, you just kind of have to roll with it. And, and I think some people, if you can't accept it, you're going to hate the movie. If yeah, you are only- willing to just go in and just simply have fun with a movie. This is not, you know, this is not a Star Wars movie where we're going to sit there and analyze every aspect of it just to have fun with it just go it's not a star it. war it's not a star war at all <laughs> yeah no i agree with you 100 yeah. percent. don't take it too seriously yeah definitely not and like if you already have bought into the world of kaiju versus jaeger then you're like it's not ridiculous at all it makes perfect sense you know yeah, just just freaking roll with it yeah and as we talked about, it did set up for a future f- movie. Mm-hmm. And with John Boyega's, you know, Star Wars success and, you know, yep. fame right now, they're primed to have him launch off. Any, su- any success this movie has done, I think, is because of him. I, I think so, too. I don't think it would have done as well if it didn't have a significant name behind it. And, right. um, I, I mean, not only was he the lead, he's also a, a producer in it. Yeah. And it's expected that there will be a Pacific Rim 3. It's expected that he will be a producer. It's expected that he will be the lead. Yeah. And, and I believe the the quote at the end of this movie was that, you know, this isn't over. We're now going to bring the fight to them. Which I love. I love it because that, so that sets up to me that they're going to go through the rifts and we're going to see like a lot of this next movie is going to be set in the rift in the home world of the kaiju so that's pretty freaking exciting yeah i think that's a really cool twist and a really cool way to continue the franchise um they have to do that they can't keep it it set in the same because otherwise it's like cookie cutter cookie cutter cookie cutter cookie cutter otherwise it really is a transformer movie (laughs) yeah yeah they have to give it something different and so i think it's cool that they can talk about the ramp up to getting into the rift. How are they going to get into, you know, how are they going to open another rift and then getting in there and having a battle and, you know, as the ebb and flow of these things go, they're going to go in and in the second act, they're going to get their asses handed to them. They're going to get kicked out of the rift. The kaiju are going to start coming back through the rift. The humans are going to have to rebuild what are uh, you doing? Jaegers. Did you just write the whole movie? <laughs> I yeah, I pretty well. It, it, is it that unpredictable? I mean, come on. You don't. You don't know. <laughs> Maybe you have no idea what's gonna happen. 
it's it's done, Liz. It's it's already Yo. done. Okay. Um, I mean, I I in fact happen to know that John Boyega does listen to Movie Rampage. So, oh, do you, you know, know John that? Just, uh, John, just give me a call. Do you it's, know it's, that it's he listens? Good. I got this story for you, bro. I got it. We're we're good. He heard me say boyfriend and my phone hasn't rung yet. So (laughs) (laughs) Well what rating do you give this movie, Tim? Ha! I get to ask you. All right. So if you know, if I gave the other one a a You gave it a seven and a half. I'll I'll settle on like a B minus for this one. Oh. I, I mean, even though John Boyga was in it. And we still did see some different storyline. The overall plot was still the same. Um, there were some great twists in it. I, I thought that aspect was really good. I thought it continued to build on the lore, but it also didn't offer us something wildly different than the first one. So I would, I'm going to bump it down a bit to a, to a B minus. I would say that I feel like the scale is on par with what I thought the first one was going to be like, though. Okay. It's that more epic. I mean, I feel like now we're living in a time when it's difficult not to make a movie that's on that level of epic because everything is at that level of epic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I liked it more than the first one, actually. So really? I'm going to give it a 7.5, a B wow. plus. Okay. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. I did like it more. I felt like it was more, in- even with the like sexy lampshade problem, which the first one did not have a sexy lampshade <laughs> problem. No, it did not. Uh, um, <clears throat> I still, I don't know why. And maybe I'll like, again, I think if I go back and watch the first one, which I'm going to try to do soon, maybe I'll like the first one more with all of that I know now and without those expectations. Um, so I'm going to go with seven and a half B plus. Um, I don't know. Partly, I think these movies are meant to be seen on the big screen, too. So I think I didn't benefit from seeing Pac-Rim 1 on big screen, which mm. I think is it's really meant to be seen that way. Yeah. Um, they're not small screen movies. They're they're big. You need to see everything on a bigger scale because of those, like, minute details of a robot fighting a monster. You People, know? they're giant freaking robots. you got to see it on a big screen. you got to see it on the big screen. So what we're saying is go see it on the big screen. Well, you still can. You still can, and you, and more importantly, you should. Hey, Tim. Hey, Liz. What's our next episode? Holy shit, Liz. <laughs> oh, do do you gosh. know what our next episode I is? Know, I know, and I'm not ready. I'm not ready, I don't even know if I can say it. I'm not, you guys, I'm not ready, but I'm so ready, and I'm not I'm so even excited. ready. But I'm so excited, and I'm going to cry, but I'm also going to scream, enjoy, and I just don't know what to feel. I'm in a glass box of emotion. I, I, like, I am so tempted to go down to Orlando and actually see this movie with you. I'm going to be in California. Oh, you'll be in Cal- Oh, that's right. See, so yeah. I can go to Orlando, and, like, I'll still see be, I'll be alone. alone. Because I just have a feeling that, like, the experience of seeing it with you, like, you will be out of control. No. No, no. It's not even going to be. I have to go alone the first time because it's not going to be possible for me to see it with another human because I'm going to be out of control. It'll be crazy. 
I'm but, I'm gonna see it Thursday. I have to see it. Obviously, th- I get in California Wednesday night, so I'm gonna see it Thursday night as soon as humanly possible. And then I'm probably gonna go back Friday immediately because I just I can't. I'm gonna need to see it at least four times opening weekend. Yeah. But because I'm in California, I probably won't be able to see it that many times because I'm going out there to see my niece and nephew. We always do. I'll actually oh, I can take them. You can. Wait, wait. So we haven't said what it is. If you haven't guessed by now. It is Avengers Infinity War. And oh, it is? Oh, I thought it is. you were talking about something else. Yeah. No, you thought, I know what you thought. You thought Nut Job 2. It's fine. It's not Nut Job 2. <laughs> <laughs> Nut Job 3. Um, yeah. All this week, all this month is Marvel Month on, on everything that I'm doing on my blog, on Instagram, on Twitter, like basically Everywhere. across the board. Um and so get ready for that. Um, I'm be, I'm not. Someone on Twitter was like, "Oh, but what about Star Wars in May?" I was like, "Excuse me, it's April. I'm not talking about Star Wars till May. Don't come at me with Star Wars until May. It's not happening yet." Because <laughs> I'm just too in the Marvel mindset. I cannot get out of it. I'm exactly doing We're not road there yet. We're not there yet. I'm doing We're Road to Infinity yet. War rewatch. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Instagram challenges. I'm going to have a new thrift store cosplay Marvel edition. So if you have any suggestions, throw it at me. Like, I cannot. I just cannot. The hype is so real. And yeah, I, like I said, I'm so nervous. Ah, Tim. Oh, I am too. I just, oh, gosh, I, I can't wait. It's. I think it's going to be so much fun. I'm it's already giving it a movie. 10. <laughs> we, we're we're going to be talking a lot about this movie leading up to it. Oh my gosh, um, you guys. We're obviously going to be talking about this movie afterwards for probably guys. a pretty long time. You guys. It'll be good. You guys. You I can't guys. handle it. I can't handle it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> take us out because <laughs> I'm about to get emotional. <laughs> All right, folks, please let us know what you think about Pacific Rim and Pacific Rim Uprising. Send us your feedback. You can hit us up by email, movierampage at randomchatter.com. You can also find us online at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, not at Twitter, on Twitter. On the tweets. On the tweets, at Movie Rampage Pod. Um, you can also find our network at Random Chatter and all of our lovely other shows. Um, you can find me at Nerd in the City, and you can find Tim at Qui-Gon Tim. That's Tim with two M's. And then you can also find me on Instagram, because I love to Instagrams, and Tim likes to stalk my stories like a creeper. <laughs> I do. It's true. Tim likes to watch my Instagram story and then go on Twitter and tweet about it to people who have no context or understanding about what he's talking about, because not everybody on Twitter watches my story. So if you, come, if you come watch my story, then Tim's tweets automatically will start to make sense to you. So. Well, it just really makes it seem like more random trolling, which is what I'm good at with you. So. Yeah, you're very good at that. You're yeah. great at that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can also find all of our shows um, at randomchatter.com. Uh, Tim and I do the Random Chatter flagship podcast. Um, we're going to soon have a Marvel. You, is that already out there? I don't know. We're going to have a Marvel Say podcast it. soon. Do it. Say Guardians it. of the MCU. Woo-hoo. It's happening. That's the first official time it's ever been stated on a podcast. That's the first time it's been stated on a podcast, you guys. And then I have another podcast coming soon with um, some ladies called Fangirl Confessional. And Tim, we, Tim is on Echo Base, the Star Wars podcast. It's all kind of, and uh, what is your um, Band of Brothers one? Dispatches from the Front. In fact, yeah, we we're recording got- the next episode of that tomorrow night. Oh, hey. 
So guys, there's a lot. You don't want to miss it is basically the bottom line. So go to randomchatter.com. There's so much good stuff. So much. We definitely appreciate you spreading the word and supporting us. Uh, Leave us some reviews on uh, places like iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is that you get your podcast from. Click on all the stars, type in some good stuff to let people know why you like us and, uh, you know, help convince them to, to listen to us as well. Word of mouth is probably the best thing for podcasts. So tell your friends, family, coworkers, uh, total strangers all about us. You see folks, talk to folks who like movies and ask them what podcasts they listen to that do movie reviews. And we definitely appreciate if you mention Movie Rampage. We do. Let's see. We also appreciate some financial support. You can head over to randomchatter.com slash Patreon and find out all about how to make that happen. Uh, You can do contributions uh, really of any amount from a dollar a month on up. A dollar a month gets you full access to our Discord channel, uh, which is basically our online community for Random Chatter. So all of our hosts and a lot of our listeners and fans are in Discord. We do have a public lobby. So if you don't want to, you're you're not quite ready to commit to the Patreon donation, um, you can go over to randomchatter.com slash discord. That will get you into our public lobby where you can, we still have a lot of discussion there. You can still talk to all of us there. Uh, But that dollar a month will get you kind of behind the curtain. We have a lot of rooms set up in discord that are topical things. So if you want to talk about Star Wars, you want to talk about movies, you want to talk about TV, or if you want to talk about certain shows in particular, you want to talk about Movie Rampage, you want to talk about Random Chatter or Echo Base um, or any of the other shows that we do, there are uh, all these rooms in there for Discord for all of that. So um, also through Patreon, you get up to levels of like $5 a month, $10 a month. You get early access to some things. You get uh, exclusive access to, to some content that doesn't go out to anyone else. So you get a lot of uh, a lot of cool perks from there. Again, randomchatter.com slash Patreon. You can check out all the information that's there. <laughs> the music you hear on Movie Rampage is by Bearded Audio. Nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Uh-huh. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Go out and watch some movies. 